Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, I'm excited today. We are kicking off uh, a new a series of messages that are going to take us into Thanksgiving and uh, began praying about the direction of, of where does the Lord want us to go. We were in a series in the book of Hebrews that took us much of the summer and all the way through the month of September. And so I began to pray and say, God, where do you, where do you want us to go next? What do you, what do you want to do next? What are you wanting to speak to our hearts? And I couldn't get away uh, uh, from from just this this feeling this this series that God had kind of put in my heart around what I'm calling virtues neglected virtues uh, virtues are are some of those 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 uh, character qualities they're they're some of those things that 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 kind of as we as we take a look that that I find that our our, our society really lacks uh, and suffers from a lack of clear moral standards. How many would agree? Clear moral standards, just just simply clear morality. Things that whether you were a a, a believer in Jesus Christ or whether you followed the Bible or not. There used to be a set of things that were just simply moral standards, ways in which we would act, character qualities, ways in which we would treat one another, things that we would value that, that, we, that we call virtues. And I would see that, that as I look around our culture today, and as I, I look around uh, at the way we, we, we act, the way we treat one another, the way that we live, I, I find that, that there is a neglect in certain virtues, things that just used to be a standard way in which you live and treated one another, a way in which you, things that you value that have kind of gone away and have been neglected in our world, and to be honest with you, working its way into the church as well. In the midst of the noise, it can be hard to find a right compass to guide our decisions and our actions. But God has given his people grace and he has given us virtues that are found in his word that no matter what the age, they are timeless. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to dive into some of these areas that that I'm calling neglected virtues. And we're going to uncover some truth that I believe are going to help us to become more Christ-like. So today I want to begin in the Old Testament book of Malachi. The Old Testament book of Malachi for what we're going to get into today. Now, uh, Malachi, if you are finding your way into the New Testament from the Old Testament, it is the last book of the Old Testament. And, uh, and it marks a period of, of ending of God speaking any kind of, any kind of, uh, uh, of, uh, of written scripture between then and when the Gospels, when Jesus entered, and, uh, and when you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, so Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament written by a prophet by that name, uh, Malachi. And it was written in the days when the people of Israel had, had come out of their captivity in Babylon 
Babylon, and then Assyria had had taken over. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, the Babylon, and then the, uh, they had been taken over uh, by the uh, the the uh, another uh, nation had taken them over, and so we're take, talking about the days following Daniel. So when, if you remember the time in the Old Testament when Daniel was there, the people were in Babylonian captivity. Following that, there were groups of people, refugees, that had been released to go back and start to rebuild in Israel, particularly in the area of Jerusalem. They were, they were able to go back at that point and begin rebuilding. And so Malachi was written about a hundred years uh, after the city of Jerusalem had been invaded by the Babylonians and, and the people came carried off into exile. And again, there were waves of people. The first wave of people returned and they were under Ezra and and others and they began to rebuild the temple. And that's when you get the prophet Haggai and and, and, and that kind of a time period when they were rebuilding the temple, Zechariah and those. And then following the rebuilding of the temple, a next wave came in and they began to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And then finally, a third wave of people came in under a guy by by the name of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah came to rebuild the walls of the city. And so Malachi is a contemporary of Nehemiah. He had come back during one of those waves, living in the area when the city had been rebuilt, when the temple had been rebuilt, when the walls had been rebuilt. But after things had been rebuilt, guess what happened? The people of Israel began to drift away once again in their relationship with God. Once again, they began to drift away and they began to, to pick up some customs. They began to pick up some things. They began to intermarry with other people that were not of the Hebrew race. You might say outside of the faith. Divorce was rampant. Uh, there, there was, there was, uh, there was, there was all kinds of problems. Violence was rampant and was happening, uh, within. And there were, there were, there was a the economic indifference and injustice that was happening and going on on as a result of that. And so you have this drifting away that is happening and a half-hearted, you're going to see it in here, a half-hearted worship of God's people. They began to worship in a half-hearted way. Idolatry and adultery were, were, were just rampant at that time. Uh, divorce was rampant at that time. Selfishness and violence and, 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 and again, economic challenges and injustice. What, what is the answer when you live in a culture? Hope you're picking up on the parallels. What happens when you live in a culture where that becomes the case? Where, 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 where people have a, a half-hearted kind of worship, where divorce is rampant, where violence is rampant, where injustice is rampant, where selfishness is rampant, where economic challenges start to come in. What, what is the answer? What does God have to say about the matter? As we look at the book of Malachi to begin with today, we see that God addresses a virtue that has been neglected. A virtue that that once was held but now has been neglected. And he says this, Malachi chapter 1, right in the beginning in verse 6. This is what the Lord speaks to the prophet Malachi. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you? Oh, priests who despise 
my name. The neglected virtue that that the Lord begins to speak through the prophet Malachi that was neglected is the virtue of honor. The virtue of honor. And today I want to uncover a little bit and unpack a little bit about this neglected virtue that is definitely neglected not only then, but neglected in our culture today. And it's the, it's the neglected virtue of honor. God was very clear the people had neglected honoring the Lord. In fact, the word honor is the Hebrew word kabod, K-A-B-O-D, and it, it carries with it the idea of weightiness, to make heavy, to give weight to, and it's interchanged with this idea of the fear of the Lord, honor and the fear of the Lord, not being afraid of God, not, not this fear of punishment, but more so this idea of reverence and awe and honor. Honor, giving weight to a place and a position of authority. And we see what happens when there's a lack of honor. We see this lack of honor in, in the following verses because they're wondering, well, how are we not honoring you? How, how have we not been honoring the Lord? How have we not been giving weight to the Lord? And this is what the Lord speaks through Malachi because they ask that question. But you say... How have we despised your name by offering polluted food on my altar? You say, how have we polluted you by saying the Lord's table may be despised? When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you? Show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now you entreat favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? How do they dishonor God? They dishonor God in the the offerings that they brought, in the worship that they brought. The worship that they brought was the leftovers. The worship that they brought was half-hearted. They didn't honor the Lord. There was no fear of the Lord. There was no awe of his name. They simply came and brought God whatever leftovers they felt were okay. And then they entreated God and said, God, we want your favor. And he said, should I give my favor to those who do not honor me? To those who who do not reverence who I am, who do not honor me, you entreat my favor, but should I give you my favor when you do not honor me? Oh boy. God even challenges them by saying, if you presented those things to your governor, would he show you favor? Of course, it's a rhetorical question, but we know what the answer is, and they know what the answer is, and it is absolutely not absolutely not and yet how often how often do we find that we live that way people who do not honor the lord but certainly have no problem lifting up prayers and requests and wanting something from god in return it's a hard message today malachi 2 2 continues this serious discussion if you flip over a chapter and he writes this if you will not listen if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name says the lord of hosts then i will send the curse upon you and i will curse your blessings indeed i've already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart 
Can I tell you something? The virtue of honor is serious business. It's serious business. God says that I'll curse the blessing. That without, without honor, I'll curse. We don't like to hear those kinds of messages from the Lord. We, we want the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the favor and the blessing. But the question is, are we honoring the Lord? Have we truly been honoring God? Friends, the virtue of honor, the people would not listen because they would not honor the Lord. They were unable to receive the blessings that he wanted to pour upon them because they would not esteem God and give him the honor he deserved. It resulted in curses upon the the blessings that God wanted to do in their lives. Instead of blessings, it became curses. And I want to show you a day a principle from God's word. It's the principle of honor. It's the honor principle. And the honor principle has the potential, if you will receive it today, has the potential, I believe, for some of you to unlock some things that you have been, you have been saying, why isn't this happening in my life? Why am I not experiencing a breakthrough here? Why is this not, why am I not seeing this blessing? And I really believe that much of what we have not seen that we desire God to do really comes down to something that we've been lacking in our lives, and it's the the virtue of honor. It's the virtue of honor. In fact, I, I, I would, I, Romans 12, 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In showing honor. You say, well, that's just an Old Testament principle. I'm about to show you in just a few moments. It is not an Old Testament principle. This is a New Testament principle. This is old and new. God's the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm about to show you the importance of this virtue of honor and the potential that it has to either lock up the blessing of God or to release the blessing and the miraculous of God in your life. In your life. In Mark chapter 6, we get a glimpse of this. We get a glimpse of the power of honor. We get a glimpse of, of what happens. Jesus was, was returning in Mark chapter 6 to his hometown. He had been out and he had been doing miracles. He had been out and, and uh, everywhere he went, he was returning not to the place of his birthplace. This wasn't Bethlehem. This was to the place that he, he grew up. His reputation had grown. All sorts of miracles were being done. He had turned water into wine. He had raised the dead. He had opened blind eyes and deaf ears. He had multiplied loaves and fishes to feed thousands. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. Seriously. And then he comes back to his hometown. And in Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, it says this, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. This is a good start. And then they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? In other words, wow, this guy is amazing. Wow, there is something powerful about his teaching. There's something anointed in his teaching. There's something wise about his teaching. And they begin to ask questions, not bad questions. Questions are not bad. How, how did, where did, he, where did he get all this wisdom? How can he do all of these things? And then someone 
someone just, just has to start, right? I mean, this happens. Somebody just has to start. And they say this in verse 3. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. His sisters live right, right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. It's just an ordinary guy. Oh, come on. That's Jesus from down the street. Don't you remember Jesus? We went to school with him. Jesus, he was the one that ruined the curve because he always had to get 100 on all of the exams. I mean, seriously, we know that guy. We know that goody two-shoes Jesus. We know that, that guy from down there. He's that carpenter's son. We know his brothers, and we know his sisters, and we know his family. Some of y'all like, oh, this guy's got all this wisdom, and, and, and look at all this. Ah, oh, come on. That's just Jesus. That's just Jesus, right? He made my kitchen table. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. And then verse 4, Jesus told them this, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. The Greek word translated without honor here is the word atimos, atimos. It means dishonor, but what it really means is to treat as common or ordinary, to treat as common and ordinary. It's the exact opposite of the Hebrew word that we read in Malachi, kabod, to give weight to. To give weight to. To have this idea of weightiness or esteem. And simply dishonor is simply to treat as common and ordinary. The flip side of dishonor is the word honor. It's the Greek word spelled T-I-M-E, but it's not time. It's Timmy or Tim to me. It means value, respect, to highly esteem, to treat as precious or weighty or valuable, to ascribe worth or esteem to and value. It's about giving value. It's about giving weight. That's what, that's what honor is all about. It's about giving weight to something. Let me kind of give you a, 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 an example of what I mean of what happens. I'm somebody that loves basketball. I'm excited that, that basketball season's going to be kicking up here in just a little bit. And, and so I, I love basketball. Now, I go out. I got a basketball for my, my house. We got a hoop. And, and if I go out with my basketball, I don't have any problem just playing with that basketball. And sometimes it goes, it falls in the mud and, you know, it gets all scuffed up and all of that. But let me tell you, if somebody gave me a basketball that Michael Jordan had signed, I would not be going out. And playing that with that basketball out in the driveway or in the mud. I would, I would put that thing in a case. It would have a nice plastic case. I'd put that thing on a shelf. I'd make sure that thing was in a secure place. I would give it a place of honor. Why? Because somebody's name was written on it. And that made that basketball valuable and no longer ordinary. I wouldn't treat it as ordinary. I would give it value and weight. That's the difference. Sometimes we treat Jesus so common. And, and, and he is a friend who sticks closer to the brother. But I got to be honest with you. Sometimes, friends, we forget that he is the son of God who gave his life to save our soul. Sometimes we forget. We forget who God is. 
We think that because of this grace and this mercy that we can treat God as, as just this, this kind of common come in and, and go out and, 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 and we don't give the weight to it. The weight to who he is and the honor to him that he is due. And it's awfully quiet in here. Right? You see, honoring esteems and lifts up. Honoring ascribes value while dishonoring devalues and tears down. To honor someone is to believe the best about them and to dishonor is to believe the worst. Honor lifts and dishonor tears down. Honor is a choice to be made when we choose to place value on someone or something. It's a choice. I choose to place honor, value on someone. It's not a matter of whether they are earning it or deserving it. It is something that I choose to do to ascribe value and esteem. Going back to Malachi now, Malachi chapter 2, following the verses that mention honor, the prophet goes on to illustrate a covenant that God had had with the tribe of Levi, particularly the, the Aaron priesthood tribe and, the, and those that, that were, were there to, to worship him and to, to, to encourage worship among the people, the priestly tribe of Levi. And he says this in verses 4 and 5, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand says the Lord of hosts my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I gave them to him and it was a covenant of fear and he feared me and he stood in awe of my name God had made a covenant with Levi why because there was a there was there was a point in time when the priestly tribe of Levi honored God by standing in awe of his name They associated value. They didn't treat him as common. It was a covenant language because it was associated with the promises that God had made through that covenant. The blessings that come as a result of honoring our covenant keeping God. They had ascribed honor to God in keeping with the covenant. And in keeping with the covenant, God was releasing blessings upon the entire nation of Israel. Because of that covenant promise. They stood in awe. They chose to esteem. But what happens when we dishonor God? What happens when we treat God as common? When we lose the virtue of honor? What happens with that? When we simply treat God in a dishonoring way? Well, let's go back now to Mark 6. All right, we're going back to the New Testament in Mark 6. Again, Jesus was doing miracles. He comes to his hometown. They say, oh, that's the guy down the street. We know him. Oh, we know his sisters. We know his brothers. We, we grew up with him. We know who he is. There's nothing special about him. He's common. Speaking in the synagogue. And then it says this in verses 5 and 6. Very sad. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Notice it didn't say he wouldn't do any miracles. It didn't say because of their dishonor that Jesus 
wouldn't do it. This was not a matter of his will. This was not a matter of his will. Jesus, everywhere he had gone, he was fulfilling the scripture that said that he had come to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the the captives. He had come to preach good news to the poor. He stood up. That's what he came to do. And yet, in this place, it wasn't a matter of whether he wanted to or not. It says he couldn't. He couldn't. He could not do any miracles except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Why? Amazed at their lack of faith. But what, what is this lack of faith? There's a link. There's a link. What led to the lack of faith? Their dishonor. When they chose to treat Jesus as simply common, they locked up the ability to see the miraculous take place in their life, to experience the breakthrough in their life. I firmly believe that we don't see the miracles we could see here in America, here in our culture, here in this church, because we have lost the important principle of honor. We've lost the principle of honor. And because of that, it's led to a lack of faith. It's impacted our faith. He could do miracles everywhere else that he went. But because of their lack of honor, it led to a lack of faith. And it tied the hands of our Savior. Not that he wouldn't, but he was unable to. Because they lacked giving him the honor that he was due. Oh, friends, there are some of you, this is a principle that can really unlock some things if you'll let it in your heart. I really believe that some of you have not been seeing answers to your prayer, have not been seeing breakthrough in your lives, have not been seeing the freedom that God wants to bring because you you have lost the virtue, you've neglected the virtue of honor. But oh, friends, for some of you, your lack of honoring has led you to making decisions to hang on and not trust God in the area of your finances. And so you haven't been able to see the blessing that God wants to bring. Instead, you there's a curse in your finances. Some of you have not experienced the healing that God wants to bring into your life because you're locked up and you're not trusting and honoring God in the areas that he's encouraged you to do. Let me give you another example of somebody who honored Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, it's a story of a guy who's a Roman centurion. He's a, a military general. He's over a, 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 at least a, a minimum of a, a hundred soldiers under his command. And this leader has been given charge of a, of a, a region, an area known as Capernaum. And he's there in Capernaum, and he has a servant who's paralyzed and at home and suffering. And Jesus entered, and he comes to Jesus, and he wants Jesus to heal his servant. It says this in verse 6, Matthew 8, 6. Lord, my servant is lying parallels at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will, Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, look at his response. Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority and soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now, we have a tendency to kind of 
miss this because we don't live in a culture where another nation has come in and overtaken and is occupying our land. We, in our cities, we may have uh, police that we see a car every now and then that's patrolling or that's waiting for a traffic stop or something like that. But we don't, we don't have a great military presence in every city where you have people like they do in, in other countries that are all armed up and, and ready to go. You have to understand that Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. By all intents and purposes, he was simply a carpenter from one of these surrounding areas of Nazareth near, near Capernaum. He, he was a Jew. The, the Romans had occupied the Jews, and this was a tough, you, to be a, a Roman centurion, you, you were a tough guy. You weren't just anybody. You had authority over, and he even mentions the authority that he has. A man of authority, and yet this man of authority uh, 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 that's a part of this nation that has occupied uh, the Jews and that, that overtakes them, humbles himself and gives esteem to Jesus and says, Lord, I'm not worthy to even have you come and travel to my house to heal my servant. Just say the word. And it'll be, I'm not, I'm not worthy of you. Do you see the humility and do you see the honor that he ascribes to Jesus? You see the, the honor that he is, that he has given to the Lord. And what was the answer to faith and the, to the centurion? Jesus said, go, let it be done because you have believed. Again, the link between honor and faith. There's a link between honor and faith. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Honor unlocks the door to the miraculous in our lives. Honor unlocks the door to the miraculous in our lives. I just don't think some of you are getting this today. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. We have lost the virtue of honor, but the virtue of honor is a key that will unlock the opportunity for the miracles and the blessing and the answers to prayer that God wants to bring, for the breakthrough that God wants to bring in our church, in our community, in our nation. We have problems in our nation because we have lost the virtue of honor. We have problems in marriages because we have lost the virtue of honor. We have a society that has gone downhill spiritually because we have lost the virtue of honor. Don't believe me? Read Romans chapter 1, starting verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him, there's that word again, as God, or give thanks to Him. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Right? Because they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were dark, and claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images result resembling mortal men, birds, and animals, and creeping things. When they, when they stopped honoring God, when they began to dishonor God, when they stopped honoring God as who He is, when we stop honoring God as who He is, guess what? We think, I don't need to honor God, I can do that. I'm wise enough. I don't need God. I want to do it my way. 
Who's God to tell me what to do? Who's God's word to say what's right and what's wrong? I know what's right and what's wrong. Unfortunately, that leads to foolishness and, and, and a darkened mind when all of a sudden we exchange the glory and the honor of an immortal God who created the heavens and the earth and instead we start putting our hope in created things. And there's a whole lot of people putting their hope and life and created things. And I don't, I'm not going to go reading through it, but read the rest of Romans chapter 1, and you will see that Romans chapter 1 is a picture of our culture and our society, and it began when we stopped honoring God. When you stop honoring God, it leads to foolishness. And it leads to sin, and it leads to debauchery, and, and, it, and it leads to all kinds of problems that we have in our world today. Scripture is clear that when we dishonor God, we limit the gifts of God, the blessings of God, the miracles that God wants to bring in our life, and that God wants to bring through others in our life. All right, I've been talking a lot about honoring God. I'm going to quickly, and I shouldn't do it quickly, I should just preach this sermon next week, because this is how important it is, and maybe I'll just pause and we just will. Let me tell you something. There are four categories. I'm going to go through them real quick that we are called to honor God. So we're called to honor God and in honoring God. Remember what I said about the basketball illustration? What made the basketball valuable? Whose name was written on it? All right. Right. Michael Jordan, the name written on it. Right. Maybe, maybe it's LeBron James for you. I don't know. I'm not really into that, but he left. And right now his team stinks and I'm just loving it. Sorry, that's extra. That's not very honoring. I'm sorry. No, you got a signature or something? You, 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 because what? Somebody's signature is written on it. When, when, when somebody presented Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? What did he do? He grabbed a coin. He said, whose inscription is on it? Right? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Do you know what you and I, do you know what we're made in? The image of God. Do you know whose name is written on us? The image. It's God. We, we, who am I that the highest king would welcome me, right? I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. So you know what that means? You are image bearers of God. Therefore, I honor you because you bear God's image. I choose to ascribe honor to you because God's name is written on you. It is written on your heart because you are his. Oh, I'm still, we're not getting it. All right, here, here we go. Family. We are, we, are to, we are to have honor in the family. The first category. The home, the family. I think this is where dishonor takes place the most. It takes place the most. Let's break it down. We're to honor our parents, right? Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and mother, then you will live long and full in the land the Lord God is giving you. There's a promise with that. There's a promise with that. When you honor your father and mother, it opens up the door to, to live full life and the land. You say, well, that's just Old Testament. That's just Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. The, the, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said that, that, that honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Notice that, that right after Jesus says right after the Ten Commandments when it's talking about worship the Lord your God and serve Him only and, and, and now shall not have any idols before me. When you get down to it, the next is about honoring in the home, honoring in the family, learning how to honor your parents. 
You may not have had great parents. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we are not called to honor them. The command of honor in the home leads to unity in the home. The problem is when we are not honoring in the home, when we don't see honor in the home, we start to see a breakdown in the home. We start to see a breakdown when we lose the principle of honor. It happens in, in marriages as well. There was, divorce was rampant in Malachi. Why? Because they stopped the principle and the virtue of honor. We're called as husbands and wives to give honor to one another, to give a described value and esteem and respect. If you want a, a rich and blessed marriage, then make sure that you honor the person that you made a covenant with. Honor them. There is honor to be ascribed in that. If you want problems and troubles, then just treat your spouse as common and ordinary. Treat them as common and ordinary. Paul wrote this to wives, Ephesians 5.33. I'll get to husbands in a moment. You're not off the hook. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. If you have trouble with this, there's a great book by Emerson Egridge's called Love and Respect. There is power when you ascribe honor in your marriage relationship. When you ascribe honor, we have too many sitcoms that make men out to be this clown and, and, and constantly tear down and tear down and tear down and tear down. How's that working for our society? How's that working in our marriages? The, the, biblical, the biblical view is to give honor, to empower a person. You empower them to live honorably when you show them honor. Husbands, I said, you're not off the hook. First Peter 3, 7. In the same way, uh, you married men should live considerably with your wives with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation, honoring the woman as, and this is physically, the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace of God's unmerited favor and of life. This is the amplified version. In order that your prayers may not be hindered or cut off. Some of you, some of you men, God's not answering your prayers because you're not honoring your wife and treating her with the respect and love and cherishing her as she deserves. Paul said, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. When you start giving yourself like Christ did for his church, you start giving yourself for your wife, you start honoring your wife, you start respecting your wife, you will see a difference in your marriage. Drop the pride. Drop the tough guy, pride, whatever it is. Drop it. It's not working, and it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't look good on you. Doesn't look good on you. Learn how to honor your wife because that unlocks the door for, for your prayers to be effective. Secondly, civil authority. Oh, here's another one we don't like in our society, right? These are, God, these are those who, who God has placed above us. Romans 13, 4 to 7, Paul shares some important things. We do not like the word authority. Nobody has authority over me, right? This is why we have problems in our world. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, also because of conscience. This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants 
to give them their full governing authority. Give to everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Twice when it talks about civil authority, God uses, God uses the word God's servants. God raises up. He raises people up. I know we don't like to believe this kind of stuff. I know we, we don't like to show honor, but showing honor is not based on whether you agree with everything that somebody does or everything somebody says. Rather, it's respect placed on them because of the office that they hold, that they are in that position, and you have to trust that God allowed them to be in that position for a reason. Second Peter 2.17, fear God, honor the king. Honor the king. In our nation, I fear that that we have, we have used our freedom of speech, which we hold dearly and should be held dearly, but we've, we've used it as a weapon when we don't agree with, with, with those in authority. We use it as a weapon for personal attack. It's not just, I don't agree with that decision, or that decision is not godly. We go and we begin to attack a person, and we become very dishonoring and disrespectful of a person. And I'm going to tell you, that gets you nowhere. That, that doesn't allow there to be anything. I don't believe it pleases God. God says we're to give honor to those who hold those positions of authority as if they were God's servant. I think a good example of this in the Bible is King Agrippa uh, in the time, King Agrippa I, he was corrupt, he was a self-serving leader, he was a violent man, and he, he killed James, the brother of John, and he, was, he had imprisoned Peter, and he intended to do the same thing with Peter, the same Peter that said, fear God and honor the king. And in Acts 12, 12, 1 to 3, it says that about that time, King Herod arrested those who belonged to the church, intending to persuade them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. And then he realized it pleased the Jews. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This was not a godly man. We're really supposed to show honor to somebody like this? How did the church respond? Did they protest? Was it king bashing? No, Acts chapter 12, 5 to 19, we see that they responded by prayer and obedience. And as a result of that, Peter was freed. And Acts 12, 24 says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. And you know what happened to King Herod Agrippa I? He gets up there in front of people and he got these people, they start chanting. He's, you're like a God, you're God, you're God. And he accepted that glory. And you know what? God dealt with him and he died right there in the worms crawled right through his body and ate him there may be leaders that we don't agree with that are ungodly leaders let's through prayer and obedience and honoring of god let's make sure that we watch how we treat one another and how we treat the authority that god has placed over us and let's pray and say god have mercy because god will deal with those that he has elevated when they do not honor him you say, I don't know if that's true. Well, then you don't know. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? I know this is a hard message. But I believe problems that we have in our society, many of them are directly related to this idea that we have, we have not, not, we have not been, been doing what God has called us to do in honoring one another. 
I got to go quick. Socially, this is bosses, teachers, coaches. First Timothy 6, 1, let all who are under a yoke of bond servants regard their masters worthy of all honor. So the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. That word reviled is the, is the same word as blaspheme. And it means to, it means to, 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 to treat disrespectfully. The Amplified Version literally that means to be, low, to be held in low esteem by the public. Blaspheme to treat God or sacred things disrespectfully. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. When we don't learn how to honor those, like our, our, those who are our employers who are over us or, or our teachers or our bosses or those kind of things. Here's what happens. When we as believers don't do that, the name of God, we, we disvalue the testimony of God. We devalue the testimony of God and we actually create this idea uh, uh, it, where, where there is a, a lack of reverence for God, a lack of reverence for God. Our testimony is hindered, but honor opens the doors for others around us to honor God. Fourthly, church and spiritual authority. And that's the, the final category. And I just want to be cautious. This is not a self-serving message. I am not out to be self-serving in any way, yet I fear that if I do not teach the whole counsel of Scripture, I will hold back something from you and hold back a blessing that you were intended to receive, that, that perhaps there, there's something that God wants you to receive. Matthew 10, 40 and 41, whoever receives you receives me. He's talking to his disciples who he sent out. Whoever receives you receives me, uh, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Oftentimes we don't receive the, the reward and the blessing that God wants to give through his servants and through one another because we lack honor. We treat as common. We lack honor. I know that some have been hurt by church leadership and, and, and church, uh, some church leadership has abused its authority. Yet scripture is clear that there are blessings that come through God's servants. And when we receive them, when we honor them, we receive that reward. There's a reward to be received. Honor is placing value. Worship team, will you come on? Value and not simply treating something as common. Let me go back to what I opened up with. Jesus could do no miracles in his hometown in Mark chapter 6 because he was dishonored, because he was treated as common. And when we do not honor God, it's impossible for us to honor others as God has commanded. So friends, it begins with honoring God. And as we close today, we're going to do that. We're going to just pause and we're going to honor the Lord today. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-three says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel. I truly believe that there is power in the virtue of honor. I truly believe that, that there are some things in our lives that we have not seen the breakthrough or the answers because we have lacked this virtue of honor in our lives. Whether it is taking time to say, God, I do value you. I value who you are. I honor you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the creator of life. You, you, are, you are love. <laughs> you, you are full of grace and mercy. You, 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 are, you, are, you are wise in all that you do. Let me honor you and honor your word. And perhaps for some, the honor of God needs to translate into honoring those 
that he has challenged us and said that we are to honor as believers in Jesus because they are God's servants, because they bear his image. What a difference it would make if we developed a culture of honor. If we as believers began to obey God's word and develop a culture of honor, what would that change in the atmosphere? What would that change in the atmosphere of your home? What would that change in the atmosphere of our church? What would that change in the atmosphere of our community and of our nation if God's people began to take up the neglected virtue of honor? Let's pray. Maybe you have not honored God as Lord and Savior. Maybe you have not received Him into your heart, into your life. And today you recognize, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. And, and I need to honor God today. Whether you're watching online or you're here in person, if you're online, let us know in the comments. If you're here in person, slip up your hand. I want to I wanna just pray right now. I need to receive Jesus. I need, I need, I need to, to, to honor Him as Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Father, today we choose to honor You. We ascribe worth and value. We stand in awe of who You are. Who am I? Who am I that the, the mighty King would welcome me? You are the King. You're the King. You're the King. You're the King. You're the King. You are God. You deserve honor in our lives. We bow before you. We worship you. And we exalt you. God, if there's anything inside of us that has locked us up from being able to, to, to truly give you honor or to, to honor one another, that God, you would pierce our hearts. We repent, God, of a spirit of dishonor. And God, we just ask that you would cultivate inside of us a spirit of honor that would begin with honoring you and learning how to treat one another with honor and respect. Father, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.